Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to the Debunking Economics podcast with Professor Steve Keen. I'm Phil Dobby. And today, why is government debt not such a big problem while private debt is? We know mainstream economists and in particular politicians point to government spending as something that needs to be reined in. Otherwise, we get hit with massive repayments that soak up all the money that could be used on useful things. So why are they wrong on this? That's today on the Debunking Economics podcast. Well, Steve, Joe Madden has sent us a message saying he wants to understand, in simple terms, why the interest payments on public debt are not a problem. He points out how it's used to justify austerity because it intuitively makes sense to waste less money on paying interest. And he wants to know why this interest is not a problem and what if the money uh, which the public owes keeps rising. So let's start with Theresa May. November last year, saying that we spend nearly £50 billion in payments on interest in the UK to those we have borrowed from as a result of the legacy, of course, of the Labour Party. Uh, so maybe step by step, let's uh, let's start with who would they have borrowed from? Uh, that first step is, of course, when the government needs money, they they get the Bank of England to issue bonds or gilts, as we call them over here. Uh, so take it from there in simple terms. Okay, let's start. Let's start from just further down the road. Let's start in Parliament House because this is where the whole thing begins. Uh, because the government will uh, uh, come up with a budget, where the budget uh, estimates what they think uh, its spending is going to be, and of course they've got very fairly good estimates on spending because, um, well, except for the impact of unemployment benefits, but they've got estimates of spending. They have estimates of taxation. There'll be a gap between the two. So what it will the government will do is tender its. It's, it's, I've forgotten the term that's used in supply bills, the term we use in Australia. I imagine it's the same here. The bill for supply and the bill for supply, as well as saying this is our we expect for tax and our expenditure, the gap between the two, the bill is to authorise the issuance of bonds to cover that gap. Yeah. And that's stage one. Okay, so having the, so the, let's say, let's, let's say I mean, in most people's minds, people yeah. understand that, and they, they would then say, so people buy those bonds and they uh, expect a dividend on those bonds, and so that's the cost of servicing that debt. Yeah, okay, that's, and that's that's the overall perspective. Now, it, I'll, I'll take the simple approach, and I might try a slightly more complicated vision of this later, but. What the government then does is the bonds are issued. Now, as soon as the bonds are issued, and this is – if you and I decided to issue Steve bonds or Phil bonds, uh, we couldn't go shopping immediately with the money. We, we could not credit our bank accounts with the amount of the bonds we issued. The government's different. As soon as the, as soon as the um, uh, bill is passed, the, the, the Bank of England now regards the Treasurer as having that money in its account. So right. starts, hang on a sec. Yeah. Hang on, because we are we're doing this step by step. Yeah. I issue bonds. Uh, people give me money for those bonds. Why can't I spend that money straight away? No, you, no. People haven't. You haven't sold them yet. 
Oh, okay. Right, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, Before yeah. you sell them, who's that slight problem? That yeah, slight yeah. problem. Okay. You've got to, you got to sell them. Okay. If, okay. Now the government doesn't. <laughs> and no one would want to buy them. Damn. But, it, but, it, but it, exactly. But government bonds, different story because you know you're going to get the money. That's back. right. Okay. So the, the, the what the central bank does is said, okay, we're going to treat your bank account as if those bonds have already been sold. So you just keep on spending. Right. Then the bonds are sold. Now when the bonds are sold, they are sold normally to institutions in the financial sector. Okay. So. Yeah. Okay, if if the government spends all those um, sells all those bonds to the financial sector, then the financial sector get gains bonds, and the uh, uh, and the government gets money from the financial sector. So there's no creation of money going on there because the, um, the, the there's a transfer of money from the financial sector to the government. Now, with that money yep. in its hand, the government then spends, and that money then goes to the let's say the real economy. Now, in the real economy, uh, with the buying and their profits and wages, et cetera, et cetera, uh, people then end up buying um, financial instruments to uh, try to save money, which means yeah. the dollars, the, the, the pounds, then reaccumulate back in the financial sector. And the government repeats mm-hmm. the process because what – actually, I've ended up with a more complicated description to begin with. But what you have is a circulation of money. If you imagine what's going with the government, let's, let's, say, it's 10, let's say it's just a £10 billion pound, uh, issuance of bonds. So the government sells £10 billion pounds worth of bonds and it's spending 100 – so it's spending 90 out of tax revenue and an extra 10 out of, uh, out of selling the bonds. So it's uh, – sells £10 billion pounds worth of bonds to the financial sector. The financial sector transfers 10 billion pounds to the government. Over the year, the government then spends 100 billion pounds per year, dimensioned by time, per year spending, and the private sector then yep. goes back and saves another 10 billion of that. So you get 10 billion pounds reaccumulating back in the financial sector. And the government then repeats the process. So what you've got effectively by the bond sales is the government is stopping that money accumulating in the financial sector taking it out by exchanging the money for bonds and the money intends being spent through the whole economy again. So you've got to, re- in that sense, that the main role the bonds are playing is, is to continue the circulation of the money that's already been created uh, it, it, before the government issued those bonds. So it's a circulation okay. of m- money. That's, that's the first stage, yeah. Right, okay. Well, let's make sure we're right on that first stage because we, so we're all on the same page. So the government's got a £10 billion uh, pound shortfall, for example. It, it issues ten billion pounds worth of bonds. Uh, they get that money straight away, uh, and that money is is pumped into the uh, into the economy and uh, ends up uh, ends up with us, normal people. And a chunk of that money that we then get, we we use it to buy stuff. But some of that, we also say we want to save some stuff. You know, we want to start start saving some money. So uh, that goes back into the uh, into uh, the financial sector, and the financial sector uses part of that to. Uh, uh, to pay off some of these bonds that they've been buying. Yeah, well, it's a circulation process. So what we've, what you're doing by issuing the bonds is make, making sure the existing amount of money continues turning over. If you don't do that, if the government spends $100 billion per year and of that $100 billion, people are saving $10 billion per year, then your money stock is falling by $10 billion pounds in terms of the active money stock, the money stock actually turning over in the economy, is falling by $10 billion pounds per year. So the sale of the bonds is actually necessary to keep the circulation process going. Now this this is right. believe it or not this is a recent insight and I can actually thank Stephen Lawton for uh, making me realise that I sent him the the haiku diagram he he, he he described the diagram as being obviously from my from my um, my cubist phase um, 
but in looking at it, a large part of that bond sales is, is no money creation going on because you're simply selling the bonds to the financial sector and they're handing over money which is accumulated in the financial sector. But unless you do that, the active money circulation declines. So a large part of the bond sales actually is to keep the existing money stock turning over and continuing being created. Now, the question, of course, we've got to get to next is, okay, that's the circulation of money. What about the interest payments? Yeah, well, that's it because they still appear as a as a line on the government's budget. So the because uh, the the government is having to having to pay those interest payments on those bonds. Well, it, it's actually paying the dividends on those bonds. Yep. Um, but the way that if you imagine that there's let's say it's a ten percent rate of interest, which is much higher, of course, than actually applies, but it rounds out our figures. So when you issue those ten billion. Uh, pounds worth of bonds, you're also promising to give the financial sector a one billion uh, pounds per year flow of interest on those bonds. Yeah. Now, where do you yeah. think the money comes from? Uh, it'll come from, uh, well, it comes from the government, so it, it, it comes from the budget, therefore it adds to the deficit. It comes the from budget. the Bank of England. Okay, because right. the, fin- but I mean, it, the, but the financial institutions, you think, see, think about the, the balance the um, um, balance sheet of the Bank of England now. It has, um, it's got the responsibility of financing those bonds. So what it has to do is it has, ah, to, right, has, okay. to, has to credit the accounts of the financial institutions that own that, own that money. So it's putting a plus in their, in their accounts. Now, that can be... Well, hang on. If that, is the, if that is the case, then the government is saying, hey, look, we need £10 billion, uh, so issue £10 billion in bonds. We're not going to pay any interest in it. You are. Well, the central bank pays it. And this is the, yeah. the if, 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 if what is then happening is the central bank is then crediting the accounts of the financial institutions that have bought these bonds with you know, 10% of the value of the bonds each year, which is an accounting operation for the central bank. It is not. But, it right. doesn't have to but tax they, the finance. But how are, are they paying it? Because when you look at the, the the government budget, they are saying, well, this is how much it's costing us to service debt. Which, they're, which, saying it's, they're not saying it's the Bank of England pay, is paying it. They're saying we're paying yeah, it. But it's, it's being added to the bottom line for our budget. And that means that when they, when they want to issue, uh, when they've got a budget where they have a $90 billion covered by tax and $10 billion by issuing bonds and they're paying 10% on the bonds, they issue bills to uh, authorise $101 billion, uh, 101 billion, so $11 billion rather than $10 billion, and the extra $1 billion yeah. is what pays the interest. Now that, again, yeah. because the money is credited the, the the central bank credits that amount of money to the treasury. Effectively, that one billion is paid to the is the equity of the central bank, which it can then use to pay the interest on the people who sell that the bonds are sold to. So it is all an internal accounting operation, and yet what it does though it generates an income stream to the financial sector, which then means the financial sector has a stream from the government that it can use for its own. Um, payments of people who've bought bonds you know, from the non-bank sector who've bought bonds off the financial sector or have insurance products and stuff like that. So again, right. it's still... I, could, I yeah. can see, I, I, just, I sense John Madden is getting confused now and, and, <laughs> and, 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 and quite rightly because I am. But I think this is the nub of the, 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 nub of the issue which we might have passed over too quickly mm. uh, previously. I've, I, I'm the government. I've, I want £10 billion worth of bonds. The, uh, the central bank um, issues those bonds and pays me the money straight away. They then sell it onto the financial sector. The financial sector says, that's all cool. I need a billion pounds in a per year. 
uh, from you in, uh, in in dividend payments or interest, call it what we will. Mm. Uh, and the and you're saying, okay, the Bank of England says no problem at all. We'll create a billion pounds uh, because we've got that ability to do that mm. uh, and give you that billion pounds. But the but but the uh, but the government is still saying. Well, um, you know, we owe the, that's actually um, a, an interest payment on the debt that we've created, and we are counting it in our budget. We've got that one billion pounds sitting sitting in our budget, hmm. uh, so that is a, a that's a cost. And sure, we can say, well, okay, we'll use that. We'll add it to it. You know, it's just part part of our bottom line that's in the negative. We need to issue more bonds to cover those interest payments, and which so they do. Year, which they do. Right. Yeah. So and so this gets back to John's point. So how how long can you keep on doing that? Because the well, 10, the, the, ten billion pounds actually becomes eleven billion pounds. Then next year we've still got that ten billion pound shortfall. So we've now got twenty billions of bond issued plus two billion uh, in interest payments, and so it goes on and so it escalates. How uh, you know at what point does it become a problem? Well, it, it it doesn't so long as you still have the Bank of England's notes being accepted as money inside the inside of the UK. And that's what, what, what happens. It is an accounting operation. And the whole thing could be a total accounting operation. The government doesn't have to sell the bonds. It uh, doesn't have to get the money by selling the bonds to the financial sector. The, you, you made a slight um, procedural uh, error in what you were talking about beforehand. That's true, I would. Yeah, yeah. I know. But the, the, hey, I'm, I'm the, you're allowed to. You're the journo here. I'm the economist. Um, and I don't know this stuff as well as I should, I might add, in terms of the actual mechanics in each particular country. But when you, when you have the... The bills being uh, bills being the, the the spending bill, the supply bill being passed, then at that point the central bank pays as if the bonds have already been sold. They haven't been sold; they're sold at a later auction. And when they're sold at a later auction, then the money actually turns up in the accounts of the treasury because it's you know the the bank the bonds are sold on behalf of the treasury by the central bank. But by law, the central bank is not allowed to buy those bonds. Directly. However, it can buy those bonds back off the financial sector through what they call open market operations. So all the way th- through the year and very, very, um, in, you know, it's a huge, it's the biggest market in the world in that sense, the bonds market. There's buying and selling of bonds by the central bank to the financial sector all the time, trying to enforce the reserve uh, interest rate target they've already set. So they're, they're pumping money in and out of the financial sector all the time. Now, with quantitative easing, and this is one reason that I, I think I, I'd like people to think in terms of quantitative easing about all these issues, because QE is A, so big, and B, had so zero, no direct impact on anybody's tax receipts that it, it makes the case unarguable. For the last 10 years, pretty much, the B- British Central Bank, the Bank of England, has been spending £200 billion per year on quantitative easing. Now, mm. what tax did you pay for that? Which is buying, which is, which is creating, well, they have, in that situation, created money, Exactly. They? Well, they, they, they've, they've, yeah, they've created money for mm. the financial sector, but there's been zero tax yeah. to finance it. They didn't, all they have to say is, we're going to, we'd like to buy, what they're doing actually is in terms of the open market operations, they've told the financial sector they're going to be on the buy side to the tune of £200 billion per year. Regardless of what yeah. the volume is in the market, they're going to make sure they're buying two hundred billion pounds additional bonds every year off the financial sector. Now, and those bonds can be not just government bonds; they're mortgage-backed securities and all sorts of stuff. But to finance it, zero need for taxation. 
is to say, we're going to credit your account with $200 billion, and in return for us crediting your account, which is a liability of ours for $200 billion, you're going to give us bonds worth, which you'd notionally value at $200 billion, that we're going to put on the asset side of our ledger. And they've been doing it for 10 years. Now, I use the example of $10 billion as a, a government deficit. That's, you know, it's in the same ballpark as the scale of the government deficit uh, in the UK. It's not $100 billion. It's of them we're closer and it's in dec- tens rather than hundreds. Um, people have been assessing how do they pay the interest on $10 billion when we're talking a rate of interest, which is below 10% again. But at the same right. time, QE's been- So with QE, that's the, with the QE, two, that's what happens. Of course, it, yeah. it, it, yeah, I know. Lots of money, absolutely. And, yeah. and, and not just in the UK, you know, Global. in many countries around the world. Yeah. yeah. So, um, including Europe and, mm. uh, you know, and delaying trying to stop it. When they do stop it, when they wind it back. That's when the fund comes Then they up. do. Well, then they're selling those bonds back, aren't they? That's into, right. Uh, back to the financial institutions and getting the money back from those financial institutions. And presumably they, the, the money, go, just as that money was created, that money gets destroyed, does it? Yeah. And this also has an impact on the value of financial markets, which is, uh, I think we've covered this once before, but it's worth doing in detail again at a later point. But what's the major point is by analogy, what the central banks have been doing with QE, they also do with mm. the, the capacity to buy the bonds off the financial sector, and it's also what they do to finance the interest on the bonds for the financial sector. So there's no. And of course, a lot of the a lot of those bonds will be government bonds. So the um, yeah, the, 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 yeah. Well, but, so yeah, before so in, you, oh, sorry. <laughs> no, that's all right. So I mean, I, I think the point you're leading to is here. Well, if we can do it with QE, why can't we do it with government debt? Exactly, exactly, and that's the point. We have been doing it with government debt for all this whole time. So the fact that it's this terrible burden is like a terrible burden. Some poor accountant's got to make an entry in two columns. Well, damn, I feel so sorry for his hand or his fingers on the keypad, but it really is an accounting operation. There is no limit to it. Right. So long as you are issuing your own currency and you are paying the debt in your own currency and you have a central bank issuing that currency, it is all accounting. Right, but there is a limit. I mean, there are repercussions, obviously. Uh, if, uh, if if all the bonds... Well, I mean, on, on two counts. By the way, there's somebody discussed... We can tell I'm working from a home studio now because there's someone starting to mow the lawn. There you so. go. Hmm. Uh, the... <laughs> But that's all right. We can we can live with that. So I mean, on 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 two counts. I mean, there's two problems. On the one is if you keep on creating the money, then you're going to get, uh, uh, in effect, you'll start to see some sort of inf- inflationary impact. But but on the other side, um, I mean, there's just no um, constraints on government spending. No, again, it's, it's, just say, yeah, well, it's 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 a wrong analogy. People are making the analogy of the government to a household, and if a household was doing mm-hmm. what you were, if you and I were issuing Steve bonds and Phil bonds, and and having to finance this, the only way you can finance those Steve bonds or Phil bonds is by you doing lots of podcasts and me getting lots of Patreon supporters or giving more guest lectures here, there, and everywhere. And if I don't get enough money in that way, then I start running out of it, and I've got to start selling assets, and finally I'm bankrupt and on the streets. Uh, that is the analogy of thinking about the government as if it's a household, but. If your household owned a, a, a printing press which, which could produce Philbies and Philbies were accepted as uh, one for one with pounds, uh, then all you do is turn up the printing press a bit more and produce more Philbies to continue your extravagant lifestyle. Uh, and so it's a bit of scaremongering with these figures, it isn't is it? It is scaremongering. And it's interesting because if you if you look at it and relate it actually to the household, um, I mean, uh, Theresa May um, Quoted, uh, you know how much we uh, were paying in terms of uh, of interest paid in terms of GDP. If she had done that, I should say, it would be less than two percent. 
Yeah. Which just doesn't sound like a lot, does it? No. And actually, at the household level, if you look at the amount of uh, debt we carry, you know, you get an, a mortgage. Um, 85, you know, in those early years, 85% of your mortgage is paying off your interest. And for most people, the mortgage is half of their income. So 40% of your earnings are actually going on interest payments. We don't seem too worried about that. So 2% actually uh, going on uh, on interest payments out of total GDP from, uh, from, from government debt, which you're saying isn't really debt anyway, um, isn't really a big issue. No, it's not. And this is the, the whole – breaking away from this uh, really you know, sky is falling uh, arguments about government debt – uh, is, is a major part of of getting sensible government policy, which we're not going to see, unfortunately, because it's so easy for people to make an analogy from the government, from their own personal situation, to if the government didn't have a central bank and if the government didn't but issue jo- currency. Right. It has both. And, one, and once you take it into account and see in terms of double-entry bookkeeping, it's just an accounting entry, uh, then there is no limit to the capacity to do it. It's the, imp- it's the consequences of them doing it, not the possibility of it being done in the first instance. Yeah, so that, okay, so what are the consequences and where does that play? What sort of level does that uh, put the limit at then? Well, that's again, uh, is your economy overheating? Are, are you bringing in too many imports? Mm. And this is, uh, this is uh, we yeah. had a debate, as you know, with uh, Warren Mosler a, a short while ago, very nice debate, where I, I disagree with the modern monetary uh, arguments uh, because I think they don't take their own logic far enough, uh, that if you run a trade deficit, then you are going to be forced to issue bonds um, in a foreign currency or to sell assets uh, and uh, gain foreign currency with them. And ultimately, you get in the situation of somewhere like Argentina, where nobody accepts your money uh, internationally anymore. You've got to issue bonds in, in American dollars, and you can have a depreciating currency. You'll lose assets. you lose your cash flow. Uh, so to me, the real limitation is, is the, the ultimate limitation I see is on the impact on the balance of payments. Uh, the balance of the current account. Um, that's what I see as the major, the major uh, limitation. But also, of course, if you have a, a government spending uh, massively into the economy and you know, not taking enough money out via taxation, you can get inflation because you drive up the level of demand too high. You have um, you know, excessive uh, wages being well, wage wage inflation coming out, causing price inflation, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the, yeah. And you can also have them wasteful projects. This is the which other all, thing. Which all, the, which all the roles of all the roles of the central bank, you, you know, really to try and in, ensure that the economy is moderated in that fashion. So, in a way, potentially, you are giving them another instrument. Yeah, it's also the issue of what is actually done with the government money. I mean, uh, Keynes made the argument during the Great Depression that it'd be good to bury, you know, dig up holes and bury and, and bury money in them and get people to dig the holes up again uh, to stimulate the economy. Um, <laughs> and, okay, a lot of people say, well, that's pretty wasteful stuff. And it's true, it is wasteful stuff. Um, but what it's doing is creating the money the rest of us can spend. That's, uh, I, you know, I'm a great critic, as you know, of government and bureaucracy. Um, but... So you, you, your government does have one essential role of creating the money the rest of us use, and it can do that in badly bad ways, like, for example, you know, more Trident missiles, more, uh, more bombing raids in, in Yemen. What I would like to see the government creating money for is things like free education. Uh, you know, you bet what you, you, you're giving the students mm. uh, finances, they go to university and study for this length of time. Uh, the students are doing the spending. 
the money turns up in, in Main Street, that's a sensible way to create money for the government, rather better than you know, more nuclear missiles uh, or more, more military yeah. operations. The government could also be building... So in a, nu- yeah. so in a, nutshell, in a nutshell, to answer John, John's question then, the, you know, the government uh, has got a, uh, a shortage of money, so it sells bonds or it, it has bonds issued by the central bank uh, those the interest payment or the uh, uh, or, or the, the you know the token payments on those on those bonds gets paid by the central bank. It gets charged back to the government where it, currently where it appears as though it's a, a line on the budget. But that's just an accounting thing. It doesn't need to do, be. The, the the we could just keep on issuing those bonds. The problem is by issuing those bonds, we keep on reporting back that that is a debt and. But it doesn't have. But we don't have. We to. could actually call it. Yeah, we gave it. Another we could call name. it shares. We could call it shares. The government mm. issues shares, and then what you've got is a share. You get a share, which is a share in the equity of the uh, the country called the United Kingdom. And uh, in that case, what you've got is uh, the public owns the shares, and the value of the shareholdings are going up, and everybody starts to smile. It's it is a very different perspective to debt itself. Yeah, but you keep on adding to the shares. That's the problem. You know, you, I mean, shareholders don't like the idea that you're going to keep on devaluing the share by issuing more shares year on year. So maybe it's not an exact analogy like yeah, that. Yeah, but it's a but it's, it's a better analogy it, than seeing it as debt because there we think we, in our own household debt. situation yeah, yeah. we get totally confused. Uh, I've actually yeah. I've, I've done a few little Minsky models on this front, uh, not elaborate enough yet for my liking, but I might uh, keep on doing that and do a, a detailed post at some point on the actual accounting. But I, inter- interestingly enough, in one of the exercises I did, it turned out that the interest payments by the government, by the Treasury, were actually increasing the equity of the Bank of England. So these accounting operations can have actually beneficial effects in some senses rather than having the negative impact that people think they necessarily have. And uh, it is just because that we accept, accept the government's unit of account as money for our transactions, then the government's creating the unit of account by these, by these operations, including the money it pays as interest, because that then gives the financial sector a flow of income which it can use for its own purposes, nefarious or otherwise. Um, so these are all income flows generated by the accounting capability of a currency-issuing government. So are there any governments that work like this? I mean, is this a bit of the, the China thinking? Is this why we're seeing growth in growth in China? Because they're following... Yeah, China's doing a huge amount of this because, I mean, I've seen estimates that China's excess of spending over taxation is of the order of 15% of GDP. And when I mentioned that to one of my very good mates who... Um, uh, he's retired these days, but he was uh, one of the major... Um, infrastructure funders in the Asian Development Bank, he said from his experience that's too, that's too, too low an estimate. It's probably 20%. Now, that is an enormous use of the government's capacity to create money to harness real resources and what it's given us partly the level of you know, pollution you see in China these days, but it's also all the high-speed rail they've built. It's the Silk Road. They're using the capacity of the state to create money to finance a dramatic expansion in China's political and economic power. And yeah. in that sense, and yeah. worldwide. worldwide. So you've also, yeah. you've also got Chinese government investing in, in businesses which are then investing overseas. Like, for example, uh, you know, uh, putting in proposals to build nuclear power plants in, in, in the UK and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's... Um, that's that's the world we live in, and the Chinese know actually. I don't know whether they know what they're doing in that sense. They actually understand the actual power and logic, but uh, that's what they are doing. They're being extremely successful. Yeah. 
So why is why if, it, if it's also obvious why haven't governments and central banks cottoned onto this? Why isn't one government saying, well, now we understand all of this. Actually, getting into debt is not a problem, and we can unilaterally do that, and we're not going to suffer any consequences. Well, the last government that actually did that quite consciously and explicitly uh, uh, was uh, run by a little bloke with a strange moustache. <laughs> and it didn't end well for him. But I think... But what he did, he over- overpowered Europe with the industrialisation and the military power he could build by using that, by basically ignoring the government deficit as a constraint, saying it's not one. We produce marks. Let's produce lots of marks. And I'm not talking Carl here. And uh, industrialise, employ everybody. And that's why he got the degree of support he got in his own country. Uh, right. It wasn't just the, you know, the the racist attitudes that he had. It was also he turned it around from being 25% unemployment or more, worse than America, in fact, to full employment in a couple of years. And it was by using this capacity of the state to create money. So if he'd actually been a good guy and he said, well, now we've done that, let's produce uh, better cars and uh, things that we can sell overseas rather than, you know, and uh, and seek world domination that way, uh, he might have been a bit of a hero in, the, in that respect rather than the tyrant he was. If only he wasn't uh, if only he wasn't a racist, the world would be a different place now, wouldn't it? That is a rather large statement, but yes. Unfortunately, he got his ideas from another. He got his ideas from another racist, and I got quite a bit of surprise to find this out myself. The racist who taught him the ideas about the role of money was one Henry Ford. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard that too. Yeah. All right. Yeah, Steve. Uh, great to talk. Um, uh, yeah, hopefully, John Madden is now uh, uh, understands this a lot more than he did before. I hope so. Anyway. Well, John, John, whack a few comments on Patreon, and if we haven't we've stuffed it up, I'll try to give a better explanation at a later point. Okay, good. Thanks, Steve. And by the way, if you're listening and you've got ideas that you'd like us to cover, uh, then you can do the same thing. Either uh, drop us a line via Patreon or at debunkingeconomics.com. Leave a comment there. Uh, we'll find it wherever you put it, and uh, we will answer your questions in future editions. That's it for the Debunking Economics podcast with Professor Steve Keen. I'm Phil Dobby. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time. 